podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. In this episode, we continue our World Cup digest where we cover latest matches and news. Today, we'll be talking about the third day of the Cricket World Cup uh, 2019 with uh, matches that were played at Cardiff and Bristol. It's time for me to welcome my co-host Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you? Hi, Giri. I'm doing good. Well, I mean, uh, an interesting double double header to talk about for us today. Uh Right. So, well, uh, there were two matches, the third match of the World Cup and the fourth one. So, the third match of the World Cup was New Zealand versus Sri Lanka. Unfortunately, it was sort of a one-sided match. So, New Zealand won the toss and chose to bowl. So, this match was played in Cardiff and it was an early morning start. That is 10.30 a.m. British Standard Time start, right? So, having inserted uh, Sri Lanka in, um, New Zealand made a breakthrough in the form of uh, Matt Henry getting uh, Thirimanna LBW in the very first over, right? But the captain uh, Karuna Ratna was playing very solidly, um, and then him and Pereira got off Sri Lanka to a reasonable start. So Sri Lanka had reached uh, in at the end of eight overs they were forty six for one. So that meant you know uh, it was normal service, so to say, right? But then um, Pereira was dismissed by Henry trying to you know go for an expansive shot. And this caused a bit of a, you know, a landslide, I must call it, not just a bit, a landslide of wickets because the entire middle order of Sri Lanka subsided and from 46 for 1, Sri Lanka were uh, suddenly 60 for 6. And this included the wickets of uh, Kusal Mendes, who was dismissed of the very first ball, you know, then uh, Dhananjaya De Silva, Angelo Matthews and uh, Ajanta, uh, sorry, Jeevan Mendes, right? So as a result, from 60 for 6, Sri Lanka were again in a bit of trouble. But, um, you know, Tisara Pereira came out swinging in his usual way, tried to keep his captain company. He scored 27. And uh, they took uh, Sri Lanka to 112 for 6. And they were still, you know, not yet at the 25-hour mark. But somehow, you know, Tisara Pereira could not hold himself back. And he was also caught going for a big shot. And Isuru Udana, another one of those, you know, fast-bowling all-rounders couldn't do much as well. And uh, basically, Sri Lanka were 136 all out with uh, the captain, Karuna Ratna, carrying his bat for a 52-1 beaten. So, when it comes to bowling, you can see that out of the top four, uh, Karuna Ratna was not out. But the other three were dismissed by Matt Henry, who took three for mm-hmm. 29. Uh, Lockie Ferguson sort of did a good job by cleaning out the tail and he took three for 22. And every bowler got on the scoring sheet, so to say. So, Walt took one wicket for 44, Gradholm one for 14. Uh, who dismissed the you know the crucial Angelo Matthews? Then Nisham took one for twenty-one, and Santner, who bowled just two hours, took one for five. I think Santner may have taken the wicket of uh, Pereira. Indeed, Santner's spin took out the big hitter. Right? Uh, when it came to the chase, I mean, uh, they were looking at um, not a big total, and uh, New Zealand batters Guptill and Munro just finished the match off. So Guptill made uh, seventy-three unbeaten of just fifty-one balls, and Munro. 58, not out of 47 balls. So, there was really nothing much to write home about with the Sri Lankan bowling. They were not having a really big score to 
you know defendant was not a lot and matt henry was not judged the man of the match for his you know a three uh, wicket burst at the top right this was the first match and um, well i mean there are a couple of interesting statistical points you are mentioning to me mm-hmm. off air right kiri um yeah i think one of the points that uh, we noticed was at cardiff i think this uh, sophia gardens where this match was played uh, compared with any other ground uh, in the uk uh, you know combining all the grounds that are in england and wales especially uh, since the 2015 world cup uh, so about from 4 years ago uh, I, i saw a graphic on television which showed that um, 43% of all the deliveries that were bowled at cardiff were short pitched and cardiff was ahead by uh, let's say 2% uh, you know uh, ahead of other grounds like uh, lords or oval or headingley or you know traditional uh, bowler friendly wickets so cardiff seems to have natural bounce and people try to exploit this at this ground so so th- this is one graphic i saw um and the other thing i think we'll come to that also when you cover the second match i will i have a mention about the fast bowlers uh, but i'll keep it for that um did you also mention that karuna ratne uh, carried his bat and uh, how many people have done this yeah well uh, i think if you look at overall i think there have been uh, 11 to 12 batters who actually carried their bat but when it comes to world cups i think karuna ratna is only the second player to carry his bat in a world cup match so uh, the other guy to have done this was in the 1999 world cup where uh, if you remember windies keeper ridley jacobs opened uh, for west indies at some point in time and he was about 43 not out or some such right but then um, karuna ratna is also the second ever skipper to do this interestingly the only other skipper to have carried his bat in an one day is also another sri lankan upul taranga in 2017 who carried his bat uh, and that was in the second innings and it was an also in a losing cause so you know mostly if you see uh, the batters who carried their bats um, mostly were in losing causes there are uh, one or two exceptions this is one point the other is that well again this was a short match and because of how quickly new zealand were able to chase down sri lanka's 136 new zealand have a very strong net run rate so they start off with a net run rate of 5.75 and sri lanka unfortunately have the same number but in the negative net run rate so uh, new zealand have not only made a good start but also made a very strong start so it will keep them going well if at all if it were to come to net run rate head to head at the end of i don't know four to five matches but uh, you know this sort of a very large victory always means that you know you have a bit of a cushion even if you were to you know not perform really well and chase smaller totals down very quickly you have this cushion that will carry you through until the end of you know the group mm-hmm. stages so to say right it's very much like what west indies have you know another point i was thinking i was looking at the west indies itinerary and uh, i don't think they play um, any any matches against uh, or on the cardiff pitch uh-huh. because otherwise maybe that percentage of short balls bowled might go up a little <laughs> bit more yeah. you know this west indian team is yeah. full of confidence and at least two or three of their bowlers soshin thomas dreras and if sharan gabriel yeah. plays for example might look to exploit the middle of the pitch just to see what the batsmen are capable of yeah, right that will be a sight for the eyes all right going ahead uh, the second match was a day nighter this was played in bristol and this was between afghanistan and australia so in this match afghanistan won the toss and elected to bat first and uh, again uh, if you remember the final of the 2015 world cup a certain uh, brendan mccallum was taken out in the very first over the big hitter of the opposition was taken out in the very first over by mitchell stark right he did the same thing here so he took out uh, mohammad shazad 
the big hitting keeper of Afghanistan in the very first over to a very similar ball, a very uh, full pitch, if not a accurate Yorker, one might say. And I think Shahzad was not expecting it because of the pace that Stark has in his armory. People are a bit, you know, hanging back and he pitched one right up, almost a Yorker and Shahzad was bold. But um, the unfortunate thing was Hasratullah Zazai, the other, let's say, sensation, yeah. uh, the opening sensation that Afghanistan have, was also dismissed the very next door by Cummins. So this reduced uh, Afghanistan to 5 for 2. But then they fought back through Rehmat Shah and Hashmatullah Shahidi, who sort of, um, you know, uh, stabilized the ship a bit, took them to 56 for 2 in around uh, 13 and a half hour mark. But then with a spin of uh, Zampa introduced, he uh, induced a false stroke or a false judgment from uh, Hashmatullah Shahidi, who advanced to him and was stumped. And then he also took out Rahmat Shah. So, again, Muhammad Nabi uh, was sent in at five, a bit uh, higher than his normal, you know, customary position. But um, he was uh, very unfortunate to be dismissed of an excellent fielding effort by Smith, who, you know, stopped an unbelievably hard stroke, very well in the covers and ran uh, Muhammad Nabi out. So Afghanistan were again in a bit of a free fall because after um, Rahmat Shah and Muhammad Nabi were dismissed, they were at 5 for 77. Right? Mm-hmm. But then Gulbadin Naib and Najibullah Zadran, who have actually dug Afghanistan out of many a hole, did it again. They batted very sensibly and in reasonably quick time to take Afghanistan to 160 in 33 overs. So 165 in 33 overs, you could imagine, you know, if these both with you know, Rashid Khan to come in and maybe Dalat Zadran who can swing his bat a bit, they had a chance of getting to maybe 260. That would have been an interesting target. But then in one over that uh, Stoyan is bowled in his very first over, in fact, both of them were out trying to slog him, uh, to slog his shorter balls. I think they were surprised at how quickly the ball came onto the bat, right? And they both were out in a similar fashion, were caught by the keeper where they skied the balls up trying to pull. And that meant, you know, suddenly Afghanistan again slipped to 162 for uh, 8 or 166 for 8. Again, the um, you know uh, the uh, tailenders whacked a little. I think Rashid Khan uh, and Mujibur Rahman hit out, and they added 39 runs in very quick time. And it looked like Afghanistan was still looking for a 260, and they didn't want to sort of uh, go into a um, you know go into a defensive mode. So as a result, they kept attacking, but that meant you know they were 207 all out. With they left better part of 12 overs to be used. It was not a very clever thing. Their run rate was 5.4, but you know they left 12 overs to be uh, unused. So, when it comes to bowling, Patrick Cummins uh, dismissed the last man as well, uh, Bujibur Rahman through a Yorker and he took 3 for 40. Uh-huh. And then Stark, uh, as I said earlier, had dismissed uh, Shahzad and he took 1 for 31. Um, Stoinis, who was the surprise package, took uh, 2 for 37. And Adam Zampa went for a bit of runs because I think uh, Rashid and uh, both um, Najibullah targeted him, Rashid Khan. So, as a result, uh, he took 3 for 60, but in this low-scoring encounter, I think he did his job. When it came their turn to bat, Australia started really strongly with Finch leading the way and Warner hanging back. Uh, Warner was a bit more circumspect and I remember in his first 50 balls, he had made only 28 runs. Right? He was hanging back, but um, Finch was uh, sort of hitting and setting the agenda, so it's not a lot to worry. Finch made a very comp- uh, you know, competitive 50. He made a quick 50 and then he was out making 66 or 49 balls. And by this time, Warner was very well entrenched. And soon he crosses 50 as well. And in company of Khwaja and Smith, who both, who both made teens, he took Australia up until the brink. And I think Smith was out trying to hit the winning shot. But then Maxwell came out and hit his first ball for a boundary. And that was that. So Australia chased down this total very comfortably within 35 overs. And uh, Warner was named the man of the match for his unbeaten 89. 
right? And by the end, he had also picked up his strike rate to nearly 80. So there was not a lot to write home about with the Afghanistan bowling. One thing I found a bit weird was Mohammad Nabi did not look to have the control that he usually gives Afghanistan. So the spinners were not very effective. Mujibur Rahman was taken for uh, nine plus runs and over. Nabi was, in the end, the analysis looks okay, but he bowled a lot of wides, which is weird for him. And Rashid Khan was attacked right from the beginning. So Rashid Khan was bleeding at six and a half an over and Mujibur Rahman nine, more than nine an over and so did Nabi. So basically, they got no control. The only guy who looked to be bowling with a lot of pace and venom was Hamid Hassan, Afghani uh, Rambo, so to say. And he bowled um, really well and he bowled even balls touching 90 mph, if I remember. So there was one ball he bowled, which was 145. Right, and uh, he finished with six overs, fifteen runs, considered two maidens ball. And you know, somebody was joking off air. I think one of the analysis shows were joking, saying that you know he bowled two consecutive maidens to David Warner, and that might have been a record in all of international cricket. Nobody has bowled two maidens to Warner, no matter which format of mm. the game. Right. So it was an interesting uh, thing. The other thing that I found a bit weird, or well, it was sort of expected, but it was very caricatural that you know the crowd booed everything Warner did including from when he walked out to him playing out maidens to him scoring a 15 raising his bat and you know the crowd booing all the time it was a bit too much but yeah i, I guess a bit of booing will follow both smith yeah, and Warner. but i think that's, right? that's been going on right even the practice matches i think they had this uh, when smith came out to bat when warner came out to bat uh they're seasoned cricketers now they've been through tough times i should say and uh, they probably know how to handle this but do you think we saw a more uh responsible Warner today or he just took a different role because Finch was attacking at one end? I think he may have been making a point for himself and also the people who, you know, there was a bit of discussion off air that, you know, whether Khawaja should continue to open because Khawaja and Finch mm. were very solid in the last 10 ODIs, let's say, mm. that they batted together. So, at the top. So, now that Warner is back, he's uh, had to take the opening slot but he has to justify yeah. that, that being given the slot back. So, because Finch was aggressive i think he took his time and also made a point that you know i can buckle down and play a long innings if required not just go for it okay. all the time right because that's his role usually the traditional aggressor's role is the one he plays but in this case i think he sort of uh, i think showed the other the okay. test match player in him so to say to take his time score slowly earlier on and then build up the tempo as yeah. innings progresses think, uh, right? like let's say what Kwaja is expected to do drop yeah, anchor do you think uh, this might unsettle uh, kwaja's way of uh, playing because he's no no i think uh, no 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 i mean i know he'll probably come in at 3 right but i think even at 3 i mean you would probably do the same thing that you would do at 1 or 2 i mean unless you come in at 120 for no loss or in this case i think it was a 90 for no loss or whatever so but still i think he's a good enough player kwaja that he can adjust to that and he has the game to you know rotate the strike in the middle overs so to say if required right along with some hitters whoever hitter for example on the other end he could have smith or he could have a hitter uh, if he plays longer and he has the game to put the bad balls away but continue to rotate the strike i don't think he's just a let's say he bats in one gear he's able to go up and down the gears as well so i don't see him really struggling but then we will have to see because um at the end of the day uh, if Warner is able to cope up with the swinging ball well, I think Khwaja might be playing at three most of the time, right? And it's between Khwaja and Marsh. Marsh is what I heard. Now that Smith and 
um mm-hmm. warner have come back they are definite starters because of their experience in their class so that basically means in spite of however well kwaja has done and there's always the danger of a lurking mm-hmm. shawn marsh right there so and they both are left handers of a certain mm-hmm. type of game as well they both have the same sort of a game so we'll see how australia handles this yeah. going forward and uh, just to summarize what has happened in the last i think in the first four matches i think we had uh, asian teams playing there uh, subcontinent teams pakistan uh, sri lanka and then afghanistan and all these three asian teams have lost uh, i think afghanistan looked uh, slightly better than than the other two um, but then again i think it was a one sided match in the end if you look at the uh, overall score uh, we have another match coming up on sunday right that's uh, between south africa and bangladesh so that's the next subcontinent team before india kick off their campaign later in the next week um so do you think south africa will uh, kind of try to prove themselves uh, or try to prove a point for themselves and come back with a vengeance having uh, lost their first match against uh, england of course i think uh, yeah one is coming back with a vengeance the other is sort of you know making sure they get on the board so Uh, it was a tough beginning no doubt and england are let's say the form team going into the world cup right so south africa had a slightly tough beginning but i think uh, they'll want to come out in full force make sure they get a very comfortable victory here so that they also put any doubters to their uh, to the to bed and also for themselves give the confidence that they are up and running in the world cup but you know a long gone are the days where uh, anybody could take bangladesh uh, for granted because this bangladesh team is very strong they have been performing well in odis uh, ever since the last world cup one might say because even in the last world cup they made some very solid contributions they have been good in odis since and they are a very maturing team because they have tamim iqbal shakib alhasan and of course mushafiya murtaza and mushfiqur rahim all these strong players who all played i think 150 odis each if anything right so that they have a very solid lineup so nobody can take them for granted and uh, uh, you know the spinning uh, the spin department might not really prop them up as much as it would if they were to play at home but nonetheless that that guy and that you know that experience that shakib has and even mehdi hasan if he plays it'll be very interesting and they have a couple of you know interesting interesting hitters you have shabir rahman and uh, you know uh, maybe depending on whether he'll play or not it's it's also something that uh, it, it's being under discussion right whether it will be sabir rahman or mosaddiq hussain so they they have one designated hitter it used to be sabir rahman but uh, you know it might be that because mohammad mithun had not done a lot in the practice games he might miss out and they may include both the hitters so mohammad mithun has always been playing at five but the rest of the lineup is very settled and if tamim iqbal is having an issue an injury let and das may replace him and again i think they have some injury worries so Uh, the captain mashafi murtaza may play through some minor hamstring strain it was said that uh, tamim iqbal had a some uh, problem with the x-rays he, he took a blow in the net and he had to get an x-ray so to to see if his hand had suffered any damage we don't know about these things yet but also uh, they have uh, you know mustafizur rahman who's this cutter who came out as a bowler who bowled a lot of cutters and took yeah. india out if you remember in his very first series with consecutive five fours but he has been through some back injury issues but now he's back bowling at his full pace we saw this in the practice match and if he opens with i think uh, mashrafe murtaza i think their fast bowling lineup at least the opening bowlers will be something to reckon with right 
Rob Hussain might play or Saifuddin may play depending on if they want to also pack a little bit of batting. You know, Saifuddin can bat a bit. Or uh, Bull, uh, this thing, if the ball swings, they have Abu Jair who can swing the ball. So they have most bases covered when it comes to the fast bowling department. So what I'm trying to bring uh, to the table here is that they have a very complete sort of looking team. You know, if anything, the middle order of South Africa looks a bit shaky. Right? You know, Dale Stein is still injured. And Amla, uh, we read this uh, not uh, in the next yet after the blow he took in the head right? from Jofra Archer. So we don't know if Amla and Stein will both play. If they don't play, you know, this lineup of South Africa looks a bit, you know, uh, short of experience because you have Aidan Makram who will open with uh, uh, Quinton de Kock mm-hmm. right at the top of the order. right? And then, you know, when the middle order looks a bit thin, they may have made a mistake by not including David Miller in the previous match. But if Amla is not able to start, then David Miller will come in and Makram, who played at three, will go up top. So this means a little bit of pressure is always there on the experienced batters here, like Quinton de Kock or Fati Plessy, because Rasif van der Dusen is sort of relatively new. And David Miller will have to also hold up his hand. And JP Domini and Andile Pelukwayo, Wayne Pretorius, JP Domini is really not uh, weighing in with his experience, but I think he'll look to change that. Otherwise, you know, this lineup looks a bit vulnerable against what we discussed is a fairly think, strong Bangladesh yeah. team. So no, I, I think would expect Faf has got to uh, play a bigger role here. I think he needs to uh, stay there, uh, maybe play as a sheet anchor if uh, early wickets fall. I think Faf uh, is going to play, play a key role if they are going to win this against Bangladesh comfortably. Um, you also mentioned something about Ambla getting hit by uh, Jofra Archer, right? I mean, the bouncer. I was just reading a graphic about uh, fast bowlers and their pace so far, highest uh, recorded pace in this World Cup. Mm, mm. I saw a graphic which said uh, Engidi bowled at 145 clicks, 145 kilometers an hour. And both Lockie Ferguson right. and Rabada have bowled 147 kilometers per hour. These were their fastest deliveries. I know Lockie Ferguson can go much higher. I think he's in the he can bowl at in the 150s. Jofra Archer bowled 150. Right. That has been his highest. So, so he's uh, living up to his right. promise. And uh, yeah, and not surprisingly, mm-hmm. uh, the fastest ball recorded so far in the first four matches has been uh, by uh, Mitchell Stark of Australia, and that was at 151 kilometers an hour. So, so we right. are seeing right. uh, a comeback of the fast bowlers, uh, so to speak. Uh, but um, looking at mm. the pace, I, it, it's a, it's a it's a mouth-watering prospect. Uh, if they can keep this up uh, throughout the tournament, nine matches, right? So look forward to all these bowlers boiling well. I'm also looking forward to Jaspreet Bumrah, of course, uh, India's own fast bowler. Indeed. Uh, how he Indeed. will uh, play in this series. Um, so first four matches, bowler-friendly. Um, let's see what happens right. uh, in the match between South Africa and Bangladesh on Sunday. I expect it will be an evenly contested match. So it might be, uh, it, it looks a little, little closer to call than, you know, back in the day where you, you could almost say South Africa will steamroll Bangladesh, but it looks a bit too close to call right now. And I expect yeah. a very keen... And speaking of South Africa, uh, did Rabada have something to say at uh, Kohli? <laughs> Some mind games here? Well... I think so. I mean, uh, the mind games have begun well and truly because uh, India will play the first match against South Africa on the 5th of uh, June, which will already be South Africa's third match. Mm. So, you know, South Africa have gotten a bit ahead with the mind games. This always happens. And Rabada seems to have fired the first salvo because he says in his uh, interactions with Kohli 
on the pitch in in IPL. He found Kohli to be a bit immature because he says Kohli needs a bit of a you know needle in the contest. Otherwise, he can't really get himself going, get him get his engine warmed up, so to say, right? So he always has something to say to the bowler, and that gets him going, so to say. But if bowler were to actually get a point across by either in the form of a bouncer and or taking a wicket or you know bowling some sharp balls ish, and then have something to say, which bowlers always do. I think Kohli is unable to handle it. So I think uh, Rabada says he seems to be a bit immature. You know, he's always going at hundred uh, percent, and he wants to get to that, and then only then he's able to perform. But I've never been that angry on the pitch. That you know, he always appears angry. This guy Kohli, he called him. But uh, I've never been that angry that it really boils my blood. It's yeah, really this is all subjective, yes. right? So uh, let's see what happens on the field. You know, right, we are not right. fans of. At least I'm not a fan of all this uh, verbal. Uh, Barrage and all these things. Uh, mm. Let them prove their point on the field. Uh, if uh, I think he will. I mean, both these players are uh, really at the top of their uh, craft, and your Abada might go higher. God knows. But Kohli definitely is, and that means it will make a mouth-watering contest. Him having spoken something, right? For me, what this means is that you know, whenever somebody shoots off uh, from the mouth before getting on the pitch. I think you're already giving Kohli the fodder that he needs. So maybe, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right thing. But okay, fine. Uh, we'll have to see how the things uh, pan out yeah, on the pitch. These fast always uh, have an opinion, right? Like Shoah Bakhtar has about uh, Sarfraz Khan. Sarfraz Ahmed, I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah. right, right, right. I mean, Sarfraz Ahmed, the Pakistan skipper, has come under a bit of fire from Shoah Bakhtar. Right, the former uh, fast bowler firebrand from Pakistan, and he's called out uh, Sarfraz's apparent lack of fitness. So he says that you know he's come out with a big tummy, his cheeks look chubby, he doesn't look really uh, you know mobile as mobile as he should for a keeper, so on and so forth. I think I think this might be a bit of frustration coming through because look from the day he debuted, Sarfraz was never swelt, never never you know Alex Carey or I don't know he was, he was a solidly built guy and. I think they have these very strict standards these days in the Pakistani team that you have to be, um, you know, you have to also pass some beep tests and mm-hmm. some very stringent, uh, you know, uh, fitness tests. If you remember, Umar Akmal was once mm-hmm. sent back for failing yeah. one of those, right? So he, look, some people are just chunky and some bit stocky. Let me not use, you know, let me not use the word chunky, but stocky. Right? Some people are just naturally stocky, but that doesn't mean they're not fit. The guy, other keeper uh, from Afghanistan, Mohammad Shahzad. Yeah, how is he? Is, is he the leanest of posts? Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. I think that's a wrong example because he's, no, he's, he's an outlier. Quick. He's very sure. agile. Right? I'm, I'm talking about his skills as a wicketkeeper, right? I mean, He is uh, agile. He's agile. And well, look, he's also, uh, he, he's a cricket fit for sure because he's able to keep for 50 hours, come back and if required, bat for 30 hours after that. He's yeah. definitely cricket fit. He might not pass all those, you know, uh, the tests with folds and uh, the beep test or whatnot. I, he might even pass the beep test, so we don't know. So that's a good example where you say that yeah. he's just naturally very stocky. He has a big gut, whatnot, but he's very agile. So he does his job adequately. So in this case, when it comes to Sarfaz, I would like to see one or two more matches and see if he's really not agile in the field, as in he's not able to come quickly up to the stumps to collect throws or if he's letting buys go or whatever, or mm-hmm. not able to reach balls down the leg side. But I just get the feeling it's a bit of you know uh, angst and a bit of... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let me put it like this, a bit of frustration that Shoaib Akhtar is ha- not happy that his team is not doing well. It right? might so just, just turn out to be a pep talk, pep talk for, uh, you know, Sarfras. He might uh, spur him on and uh, make you know better statement on the field. Well, 
who knows man i mean he might come out hit 100 and oh, take his shirt off <laughs> and show a six pack right so be ready i mean we don't know right he may actually right. be hiding a six pack i mean some people are stocky but they might be really cut cut right properly muscled so so they say you know th- there is this old school way of uh, calling people barrel chested or you know round um so th- these are all like probably they belonged in the previous century or even two centuries previously because that was still considered a good thing back in the day right that meant you were strong you were broad across the beam or well, there are many things I mean, that let's I think just used, uh, right? think of uh, inzi when you talk about these uh, big guys you know languidity and uh, yes. casualness in approach but how good a player was he i mean inzi was really hmm. good when he was very agile when yes. he was batting of course <laughs> yes look look he used to amble singles and what not but exactly. he was doing the job he was one shot away from being the highest yeah. scorer for pakistan in tests right that's not that's not nothing and he played yeah. 300 plus odis right the other thing if anything the only time inzi was really unproductive was when he lost a lot of weight that was just before the 2007 world cup and i think uh, he could not score a run he could not buy a run as they say right literally and he was completely a failure at that world cup and well there was some talk about it afterwards and naturally once he gained the weight back so did the runs come back so yeah. some people are just naturally stocky and a stable base yes. on which uh, yes. he scored his runs anyway yes so we'll we'll see i mean i think sarfraz will uh, want to reply to this by on field uh, let's say performances rather than saying anything in the press or some such right when you look at his um, press conference after the match where pakistan did not do well he appeared upbeat and he said yes this was a bad day for us and it should not be treated as anything more and that's how i would like to take it as well right all right okay. one other point well is that um, icc has offered a full refund for the delayed ticket delivery to those fans who had ordered tickets earlier for the first match of the world cup at trentbridge but really i could not have it uh, delivered at home because of one problem or the other so icc had asked them to come queue up and collect their tickets before going into the stadium but that meant long queues on the beginning day of the world cup so icc apologizes for that and is offering a full refund so that's a nice thing because uh, they put out a statement saying you know we've actually delivered more than 700000 tickets and uh, you know sometimes there are some mistakes that happen and we would like to apologize so that was a nice comeback steve elworthy the icc tournament uh, director for this world cup uh, gave out a statement about it and that's a nice thing to do i would say because uh, they not only charged for the ticket but also there was a 18 uh, pound delivery fee if i'm not wrong and when you charge such a high delivery fee and if it's not even arriving in your house on time i can imagine most people are very frustrated especially those that ordered a ticket 30 or 40 days before the date right yeah. so i think icc is doing the right thing here all right then now let's go on to the trivia question so the trivia question we had asked yesterday was sort of a left field trivia question it was not based on any stat but something that we know to be true and is believed to be also uh, very well entrenched in the people's minds so it was a throwback on such a such a let's say a thing so the question was what was the inspiration for the 1999 world cup logo so i had given a hint in the previous episode saying that you know uh, it could be an individual or something related to an individual so we did not get any right answers and i can imagine that this is also one of the left field questions that is interesting so this is more like you know uh, the answer to this question is devashish mahanti's action if you remember the logo that was on all the 99 world cup uh, let's say the official symbol it was nothing but the action of devashish mahanti and if you look at the 
um, the graphic that built up that logo. You could clearly see it was Devashish Mohanty running in and bowling. So this is the answer to the question. All right. Going on, the trivia question for the following episode is as follows. Which batsman holds the record for hitting the maximum number of sixes in a World Cup tournament? And what is the maximum number of sixes that this batter has hit? Right. Uh, get in touch with us uh, for your answers. Uh, you could get in touch with us via social media. We are on Twitter at ArmchakRitPod via our Facebook page. Right. You could leave a comment in any podcasting app that you subscribe or you could come on the podcast uh, or let's say the Podbean site and leave a answer these are all the ways in which you could get in touch with us you could also write to us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com right so um we would as always like to thank our you know supporters and listeners who listen and write in with some very useful feedback so please listen to us and if you find us good leave us a five star rating let's say at least in the apple uh, podcast store or the itunes store it really helps us if you leave us a five a five star feedback also on the other platforms you could leave us a five star feedback also talk about our podcast with our uh, with your friends you know whoever are uh, you know probably you also talk a lot about cricket if you're listening to this podcast so do talk about this podcast with them maybe you know get it a bit more popularity all right so i think uh, we have a lot to look forward to a uh, very hectic world cup schedule and least of all the bangladesh and south africa match that is to come having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.